Welcome to another of the short Cood Street podcasts that Jonathan Strawn and I have been doing since the lockdown began in March. And today on our 10 minutes with, or 10 or more minutes with, I'm delighted to have a, a distinguished writer and, and physics professor uh, whose, for, whose collection of stories, I just noticed this, was um, praised by both um, Ursula Le Guin and Molly Gloss, who I just chatted with a week ago. And so welcome, Vandana Singh. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I'm thrilled that I, I just uh, had noticed that uh, Molly Gloss had read your collection of stories, and she's a writer I've admired for a long time and also one that other writers tend to admire greatly. And you can count me among them. Molly has been uh, both personally very encouraging uh, and also her uh, you know, work is such a, you know, it sets such a high standard for all of us. That's good to hear. Um, one of the things we talk about on these uh, short conversations is uh, a question of what, what people are able to read during the lockdown. It's an, it's an interesting question because I've heard from people who say they simply can't concentrate on anything serious and other people who choose this as this is the time to read, I don't know, all of Nabokov or something. Uh, where do you fall in this? Are you able to get much reading done? Well, that's a really interesting question uh, for me, particularly because, you know, in the spring I was on sabbatical. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in India and I was hoping to do a climate project in the Himalayas and it didn't happen for obvious reasons. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, my parents, my sister and her family and me, we were in one house outside of Delhi and trying to figure out what was going on. So, um, so I actually, I could not read casually for quite a while um, mm -hmm. uh, because of the fact that we had to kind of regroup to figure out how to deal with the pandemic, how to protect the family, my parents particularly. And um, uh, But I must say that there's something about being a speculative fiction writer and reader that gives one a kind of imaginative elasticity. So, you mm -hmm. know, I just had to tell myself, hey, I'm in the middle of a badly written science fictional <laughs> <laughs> so so how do i you know like what what would i put in the script to kind of you know shift it a little bit so in any case um there was a period quite a fairly long period of about three weeks four weeks where i was just we were all just too busy figuring things out and putting protocols in place and so on and so forth and then trying to understand what was happening with the pandemic um, and the, the, but, the lockdowns in, in, in India were pretty similar to what they were here. I mean, obviously, there's a huge density of population, which must create real problems with contagion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, the lockdown there was really stringent, and it was also without warning for a country of over a billion people. So there were some terrible humanitarian crises that accompanied it. And in fact, uh, that was one of the things that just paralyzed my ability to read or write you know, fiction. Um, and that was, you know, the exodus of daily wage workers from the cities where their jobs collapsed and their income sources collapsed. And right. they had to march uh, hundreds of miles home to their villages. So it was also an emotionally very difficult time. Um, I didn't think I could cocoon myself away from what was happening in the world. And at the same time, I found it almost impossible to bear what was happening in the world. Yeah. Um, 
So it took a little time. And actually, my uh, way of getting to it was through poetry, um, where, you know, reading the poetry of uh, of others, you know, uh, including some from Amer- various American uh, movements for different kinds of civil rights, but also mm-hmm. the Indian homegrown poetry. And it sort of seemed to reset my brain. And then I was able to read fiction um, and to start writing fiction again, because there was a period where I thought maybe I can, I would never be able to write fiction. Uh, but, but yeah, it was, it was really difficult for about two months. Are there any particular um, poets or poems that you found helpful? Uh, well, uh, I still have a jet lagged brain, so <laughs> I, I can't quite put my finger on it right now. It might come to me as we are talking, uh, but I can say that there were some fiction writers I read that uh, sort of brought me back. And I can I can start by mentioning them if you like, and then if the sure, poetry stuff comes back, then we don't we don't need to worry about uh, that. Just uh, yeah, mention some of the fiction writers then. Yeah, yeah. So I read a, a really interesting Indian writer, Easterin Kire, who is from the northeastern state of Nagaland, and uh, the and you know she's she and the Nagas are indigenous people um, who have lived in the region for probably thousands and thousands of years, and uh, it was it was the story of a journey of a man who's obsessed with a river, a recurring dream he has about a river. And, um, and it's, it's got interwoven with it. It's got like Naga myth and legend and so on, but it's also got the Naga landscape. Now here I was sitting in Delhi, which is the most polluted city in the world. Mm -hmm. And the skies had cleared up because of the lockdown the skies were as blue as they used to be in my 20s, you know, early 20s. Uh-huh. And, uh, and the birds were singing. And here I was reading this, uh, I guess the best term for it is probably a magical realist novel, but really, really uh, grounded in place. So it's not like any other kind of magical realism that you'd read. And, right. uh, and it, there was a kind of enchantment about that novel uh, which is about a man who's undergoing a very difficult journey, both in terms of the the you know psychological uh, journey as well as the physical journey. And somehow I found that those blue skies and that strange bubble we were all trapped in because of the pandemic really sort of um, spoke to the story, and the story spoke to that moment. So I found that really interesting. And then and then there was this. Uh, other interesting book that I read uh, by a writer called Gogu Shyamala, uh, which is, and I'm going to give you the exact title in a moment, but uh, Shyamala is a Dalit writer and Dalits being the lowest in the, in the caste hierarchy. Yes. And uh, she is, she is not only remarkably a lyrical writer, uh, but uh, you know, in terms of the poetry of her language, but also incredibly observant. Um, so she her, the book is called Father May Be an Elephant and Mother Only a Small Basket, But. And it's been translated um, from uh, Telugu. And it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful book of short stories. And 
about, you know, in, in speculative fiction, we write about other worlds, right? Oh, and yeah. uh, sometimes we don't, we are not consciously aware that there are other worlds right around us. And this is a book like that. It has a very specific feel because you're immersed in this world that most of us don't have any familiarity with. So, mm-hmm. uh, so those are two books that stand out. And oh, and by the way, I reread all of Harry Potter. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things that fascinates me about uh, about looking at, well, for example, the climate change you had mentioned earlier um, is that yeah, I think you had written uh, an essay about. Uh, Amitav Ghosh's novel that dealt with climate change. That's you? right. And I was noticing also the story that you had included in the in the Golok's book of South Asian stories dealt with a, I think, mm-hmm. global warming and, and certainly a, a severe uh, hot, a rise in, in, in sea levels. Um, I'm wondering if that, now, you know, now that we're actually in something of an apocalypse, if those seem more or less frightening than they did before. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the answer probably for me is both, uh, because there are times when the familiarity, like you can tell yourself, hey, you know, uh, I'm living through this crisis, and there are these weird moments where everything feels normal, even though you know it isn't. And then there are moments where everything is really strange. Um, and sometimes terrifying because, you know, we, we see what's happening. Uh, and in fact, with the climate crisis and the pandemic are intimately connected uh, in a fundamental way because they both have to do with a system that's bent on destroying uh, the rest of the, you know, that can only survive if it destroys the rest of nature and, of course, multitudes of human beings as well. Which is which is what made me uh, think of that, was you're mentioning seeing the blue sky, which, which you have to have mixed feelings about that. On the one hand, a blue sky means that maybe we're avoiding one apocalypse, but the sky is blue because of another apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you're right. It's simultaneously terrifying and uh, comforting. I mean, I think uh, the writer Arundhati Roy put it very well. Um, the title of one of her essays is The Pandemic is a Portal. And, yes. oh. and it's a portal, uh, you know, to other worlds. And some of those worlds are actually more frightening than the one we are in now. I think um, you're correct. Yeah. The, the, the final question we always ask is what, uh, what can we look forward to from, uh, from you and your work? Uh, Well, I'm, um, you know, I feel like the pandemic has changed uh, in some way how I write and what I write about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not quite sure what's going to emerge. I am, um, there is going to be a a collection of novellas with one short story coming out from uh, my Indian publisher, Zuban, uh, most likely as an, uh, well, I probably, I don't know if I should have said it out loud yet, but (laughs) we are uh, we are talking about that, and uh, and then I'm writing a couple of uh, short stories for other um, for potentially other publications. But mm-hmm. uh, there's there's also a cycle, a story suite that I'm working on, which is a part of a cycle that I've been playing with for some time that has never been published, and it suddenly feels like this is the moment for it. So I have to I have to figure out whether I'm deluding myself or whether that's actually going to happen. The idea of a story suite has always fascinated me. I think the term actually was Le Guin's, 
Um, yeah. And, and I, 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 I'm not sure what in her case, whether she was referring to something she'd already written and thought this is a good label for it, or whether she saw, thought, I'm going to write a suite of stories around the same theme. Uh, did, did you start with the concept or with the stories? Uh, well, it's happened uh, in this particular case. It's it was a concept. Actually, it was well, it was both. Uh, there was a story that suggested a concept, and then the then you know another story came, and then I realized that it was linked. And um, and Ursula Le Guin wrote uh, you know the her book Four Ways to Forgiveness, which has yes. four novellas, which is uh, an example of a story suite in some sense because they're set on the same. Well, not on the same world, but they're interlinked stories. There, yeah, so, yeah. And I have, I have uh, actually two things that are in the works that are kind of like that, and um, and this may be my <laughs> attempt to write a novel. I'm not sure, uh, mostly because I don't have time to write a full fledged traditional novel. Mm-hmm. So um, this may be the only way that I can I can proceed. Um, it's been very successful for a lot of writers, including including Le Guin. So, I would not hesitate at all to uh, to make a novel out of linked stories in some way. There, it's just that people use different terms. You're right. Le Guin used the term story suite. She could have arranged that in a kind of David Mitchell arrangement mm-hmm. where it looked like a novel. You'll probably have discussions with your agent and your publisher and that sort of thing about how this should be packaged. But if it's anything that resembles a, 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 well, a full-length book from Vandana Singh, we'll all be looking forward to it, I guarantee you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add? We're past your time. Um, uh, I, I, th- I think, well, I think that we've covered the essentials. All right, unless, well. Unless you uh, have yeah. an additional question. Um, lots, but I can I can always ask them after we stop recording. Okay. I think th- th- these are meant to be short conversations and right. it's been delightful. So again, this has been uh, Ten Minutes a Kud Street Podcast, Ten Minutes with Vandana Singh, and thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. <laughs>